0: Hello my friend, welcome back to the club. How are you today? Last week we talked about how super fasting leads to super feasting because we are right upon the season of Lent, you know, feast to fast starts this week. I hope you'll be joining us. And we honor this time by doing away with some of this excess junk in our lives. You know, we're cleaning our bodies, we're cleaning our brains, we're cleaning our spaces. We're making room physically and mentally to fill ourselves spiritually, which is a lovely focus during this holy season in our church calendar. We're putting ourselves in a better position to hear the Lord, to better receive what he has for us. And that does require some action on our part. Remember, remember in the um, Hippocrates podcast that we talked about the, um, the bleeding woman in the Bible who acted to activate her blessing. You know, her faith had feet. She moved toward her healer to receive her healing. So we have the personal responsibility to do the same. You know, God has given us what we need for our best health. It is our job to receive it, to receive his provision, to use it and allow our body just to do its thing. God has built wisdom into our bodies and they know what to do when they get what they need. Today, I wanted to expand on this idea about putting our bodies in this state of receiving. To optimize uh, the ability to utilize God's provision of food, especially. Um, we also talked a little bit about that in the Hippocrates podcast, you know, the importance of the engine of our bodies, the gut, being able to utilize food. Um, and actually, that ability starts in the brain. That's where all of our receiving energy, our receptivity starts. Um, But to help me talk about this topic today, I have a colleague, a fellow NTP who I connected with in our group, who loves the Lord and regards this state of receiving in the same way that I do. She's a scientist by training, a biologist who was led to functional nutrition in the journey of her own healing, as many of us are. She specializes in bridging the gap between the technicalities of science and the practical application. Um, of food and receiving food um, and utilizing God's provision in our everyday lives. She actually helps other nutrition educators better communicate and teach all of this information uh, that we're going to talk about today uh, to their clients by creating these really beautiful visual teaching tools and resources that explain the kind of scientific things um, that we're discussing. It's a wonderful service for people like me who are not technically creative, but want to convey how the processes of the body work in a way that you can see and understand it. Um, you can go to her website. We'll talk about that later and and see all of these beautiful things. They're uh, just really helpful in understanding, um, how the body works. She's very knowledgeable, very creative, and she puts the Lord first and that's the kind of peeps I like to have here. So I would like to welcome Ellen Roofs to the Christian Health Club podcast. Welcome, Ellen. Thank you, Chelsea, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, I'm so happy you're here. Um, you know, when when we connected and I walked over or hopped over to your website, Made Whole Nutrition, I was just so impressed by everything you have there and um, just a lot of beautiful work that is so visually pleasing and, and so helpful in, in understanding these processes of the body and just understanding nutrition and, and everything so much better. Um, before we really kind of jump into our topic today, I would love for you to share what led you into the holistic health space.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think as many people who find themselves here, um, it was my own personal healing journey. Um, When I was in high school, I developed um, some different digestive issues, um, very disordered eating. Um, I played, you know, mind games with myself, and I had really irregular, unhealthy eating habits. Um, And that was kind of interconnected with a lot of different food allergies and, and physical symptoms. And so I yeah just kind of started on this journey and and started searching for answers um and that really led me into the world of functional nutrition and um I love science like like you said I studied biology um and I'm in, in grad school right now continuing that because I I love the science I, I love the technicalities um but I realized that that's only helpful if it can be translated to people in their everyday life, right? Like I wanted to be the person I needed when I was in high school. And I didn't, I didn't know the technicalities of, you know, nutritional biochemistry, but I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to make choices that honored my body. And, um, I, I I found myself kind of inundated with really destructive messages from the diet culture about counting calories and restricting and, you know, being skinny. And those things really, really impacted the way that I looked at my body and the way that I approached food. And so, yeah, I want to be the person, like I said, that I never had. And I, I, I really started on this journey um, in creating resources um, to kind of counteract a lot of the really destructive um, diet messaging that's out there and just present
0: people with the truth um, about how God created their body. Oh, I love that yes, the facts the truth and I think that um when people understand the way that God created our bodies um to receive food to use food um then it it just takes a lot of that confusion out and it just makes it the approach more more simple you know just um just easier to understand and follow so yeah I I love that that is what led you, um, that led you here. Well, let's jump in and talk about um, this state of receiving. You know, I have called it this, um, I've called it this before. You know, we have to be in the state of receiving food. And then when I was looking around on your website, I saw um, you have some, you um, some handouts, some visuals on the state of receiving. And I was like, oh my gosh, we are on the same wavelength here. And that's where, that's like, that's exactly what I want to talk about with you because um, I haven't heard a lot of people put it in those exact words, the state of receiving. And it's a real posture and it's, it makes you um, think about what we need to do to get into that. And so I'm going to let you just kind of jump in and take over with what that means to you, what that means for our body, what it means for, um, the way that we eat and receiving God's provision.
1: Yeah. Yeah. From a more holistic perspective, like I think it really does, um, speak to a posture that it can, can be spiritual, it can be mental and it can be physical. Right. So I think in, in prayer, you know, having a state of receiving and it's actually an active position, right. It's, it's not a passive thing. We have to actively, um, be attentive to receive from the Lord spiritually. Um, and then on the physical side of things, we also have to be intentional about the things that we do and, and the way in which we eat and and, and nourish our bodies because it's, it's not just what we're eating, but it's the way that we're eating those foods because, yeah, we, we're integrated beings and um, our physiology is actually based on... Um, more, more than just, you know, chemical nutrients. Um, and so the state of receiving is, um, the term that I like to use to refer to the scientific term, um, of the parasympathetic state. And this is a a state that the autonomic nervous system can be in. And it's sometimes referred to as the rest and digest state. So it's like kind of the, it's the lower gear, if you will. And, um, the, the body is basically resting, right? There, there's no immediate threat. There's no stress. And so it's going to shunt blood to the digestive organs, um, away from the muscles. The heart rate is going to lower. Muscles are going to relax. All of the digestive processes are going to turn on, right? You know, the, the liver and pancreas and, and stomach are all going to start producing different enzymes and, and digestive juices, um, and our brain is more focused and intentional and not distracted. And so that, that's the that's the state of receiving that we're gonna talk about. And and I, I wanna contrast it with what I call the state of stress or the sympathetic state. And that's that's high gear, right? That's when there's an emergency, when our body is ready to respond to some type of stressor or threat. It's the fight or flight mode, right? There's there's some danger, and we our our body shunts the blood now away from our digestive system to our muscles, right? Our heart rate increases, we're more alert, um, and and we're ready to react, like run or fight danger. And I think a lot of people are probably living in this sympathetic state all the time, um, whether they realize it or not, just because there's so many stressors in our in modern day life. And we we constantly want stimulation, right? Like we can't sit for five minutes without picking up our phone or wanting to turn on the TV or needing some sort of input. And so we're kind of keeping our bodies in this state of stress. Um, And I think this this ties back to eating when we want to have our phones (laughs) and scroll while we're eating, or we need to have some type of stimulation when we sit down for a meal. And I think, well, I know that this isn't the way our bodies were created, right? We were created to Eat in a parasympathetic state because that's when our digestion is turned on, and um, I think this this is really promoted by sitting down for meals, eating intentionally, eating with others, um, just giving our bodies like space to rest um, and and be calm
0: when we're putting putting food into our system. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, I think some people will be like, oh, well, I'm just looking at my phone and relaxing. It's not stressful, but your your brain is not in the receptivity of food mode. And and yes. so I think that's, you know, really where we start is 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 the digestion and the processing of food starts in our brain. And so a lot of us go wrong right there before it even hits our gut. Um, you know, we have compromised our body's ability to receive food. Um, and so I think that, you know, which leads to engine, what I like to call engine problems, you know, you Mm. can be eating like this beautiful salad with, you know, steak and, um, avocado and it's just, you know, real food and it's beautiful. Um, but just because the way that the engine is compromised and receiving it, um, you're not getting the nutrition you need. So let's kind of start with that. Um, so you said, okay, to be in that parasympathetic mode, um, the state of receiving mood, we need to be seated. Um, mm-hmm. That's the first thing where kind of take us from there. What would be um, a few other things just kind of prepare our bodies to, to, to shift out. It's hard to go from like, I'm working and I'm moving and I'm running kids to like sit down and be relaxed. So what can we do to, to help facilitate that?
1: Right. Yeah. As you said, digestion begins in the brain, believe it or not. It's not the mouth. It's not the stomach. It's actually in the brain. And so there's a lot of things that we can do. Um, it, it's more than just mentally telling yourself, okay, it's time to eat. You actually need to put your body into the posture where your brain will recognize that it that it can turn on digestion. And so... Yes. The big one is sitting down. Um, and I really encourage people to sit at a table and not their desk or on their bed or on the couch because those places have other purposes. And so to really tell your body when I'm sitting at the table, like this is what I'm going to eat. Um, I think putting away distractions, right? Like I said, not having your phone, not having something else going on. I think it's sometimes tempting to eat on the go, right? Like when you're it's busy in the morning, or um, you're you're trying to multitask, and so you'll you'll stand at the counter, or you'll take you know a few bites of something in between tasks when you're kind of running around, um, eating in the car, right? All those things um, are actually going to hinder digestion because. Just by moving around, you're telling your body, I need to be ready to go. I need to be ready to respond to, to stressors. And so that, that alone is, is not um, allowing your body to digest the food that you're eating. Um, the other thing that I really encourage people to do is to put their food on a plate, right? I think this is where um, it's just another level of intentionality, right? Versus eating out of the package, um, but to put your food on a plate or, or in a bowl, make it beautiful, make it balanced, make it, you know, and, and, and sit and, you know, look at it and, and smell it and imagine what, you know, the textures and the flavors will be on your tongue and, and really anticipate the food you're eating. Um, that's, that's sending all those signals to your brain that it needs to trigger digestion.
0: Yes, I love that. Just um that's when like our saliva starts producing that you know, when we're thinking about the food and smelling the food, then it's like, you know, our mouth gets all ready to ready to go. Um, I also love um and I know we've talked about this before, love, you know, saying a blessing, taking that time just to thank the Lord for the meal that is coming, for the hands that prepared it, for um just for God's provision. And I think just taking that time to, um, to slow down and thank God for the food really helps us bring into that parasympathetic state as well. Don't you think?
1: Oh yes, absolutely. And, and I think this sometimes even goes beyond just reciting a meal prayer, right? Like I think, I mean, that's great, but, um, this is actually the place where, Honestly, I think the Lord has done the most healing in my relationship with food because um, I started inviting him into this moment, right? And um, if I was feeling insecure about my body in that moment, I would tell him that. Or if I was, um, you know, I would tell him how I was feeling about the food. Maybe I was excited to eat it. Maybe I felt a little bit guilty for it. Um, Maybe I... Yeah, was was worried about a lot of things, and I was trying to calm my body, but I was distracted by these things. To to invite him into that moment, to talk to him as if he's sitting right next to you, um, that has been profoundly healing um, for my relationship with food.
0: That's amazing. Did you ever? I was just thinking of people, like when you said feel guilty, like if somebody's about to just dig into some kind of big old ice cream sundae, they're like, God, I feel guilty about this. <laughs> Does it ever? I don't know. Did it ever change? Mm. Did you ever shift gears with what you were eating? Like just in that pause, I just think sometimes again, we're eating so fast. We're not thinking about it that if people just kind of took that pause that it might, I don't know, in in some ways some, it might, um, deter them from choosing something that maybe not, may not be so nourishing in that moment. Did you ever experience that or? No, this is a really good point. And I think again, coming from
1: the diet culture that like calories are something to be guilty about. <laughs> like that was my mentality that I was really coming from. And so sometimes it was something that wasn't nourishing, right? Like, like ice cream. Um, and other times maybe it was even something that was, that was good, you know, you know, like, uh, a bowl that had avocado and sweet potatoes and it was higher calorie, but I still Um, was like afraid of it in a way. Um, And I think really what has happened is the Lord has truly granted me food freedom, right? Like you see that, that term sometimes like thrown around. And I think it sometimes is connected with this mentality where like all foods are equal, right? And it doesn't matter what you're eating, whether you're eating ice cream or eating an avocado, like, you know, food is food. You should never feel guilty. And I don't think that's truly freeing either. Right. And so the freedom that I've experienced has been of, of choice, right. Of free will. And so when I sit down to eat that ice cream, um, I, I, not, I, I don't feel guilty for that now. I recognize that this is actually a joy food, right? Like it's nourishing in a, in a different way, right? It, it's maybe like a celebration or it's a treat after a long week. Right. And to, not, not have like hesitation around that food, but to, to truly eat it, um, as, as a certain type of nourishment. And I'm not, I'm not saying you can just eat ice cream all the time, but I think this is where the balance comes in of, I I know how this food's going to make me feel. Um, and and I'm freely choosing it. There's, there's not, there's not good and bad foods. Um, but rather like foods that, you know, are more nourishing everyday foods and then foods that are, maybe not quite as physically nourishing. And so they should just be special treats, if that makes sense.
0: Totally. And when I teach my clients, um, in my feast to fast program, we have this concept of heck yeah foods. And it's, it are, it's foods that maybe not be that, you know, very super healthy for us, but it's foods that we love and we don't want to, um, have to give it forever. Maybe it's, you know, some cookies or a glass of wine, or maybe some chips with your guacamole, you know, and in those foods that were, that are really, we enjoy and that are worth it to us. Um, we call that heck yeah. And you, and en- you own it and you enjoy it. And so in that moment, yes, I would, you know, um, bringing God into it and just be grateful that, you know, for that, um, that, that freedom of, of, of eating something like that and not feeling guilty and just being grateful that God made our bodies to um withstand some of these unhealthy foods some of the time, as long as it's not all of the time. <laughs> so Right. Um, right. And I
1: and I know I need I feel like I need to preserve the nuance here, right? I'm not advocating for for just eating ice cream all the time, but I, I also Oh right, not, right. I'm not saying that you can't eat I like I, I think that like a a a truly healthy diet, um can incorporate lots of different foods. And and it's incredible that we are the only creatures that enjoy eating, right? Like all, all other animals and plants and organisms, they eat because they need to. And because um, it's just an instinct, but there's something distinct about the human experience of eating. That's actually celebratory and enjoyable. And, and I think that this is um, so evident even in scripture, like Starting, starting in the garden, right? It, it was about food, and throughout, throughout, you know, the Bible, God is always feeding His people, and it kind of, um, you know, accumulates with Christ when He gives His His own body, like as our food. And so, I think, <laughs> I feel like He's sending very clear messages that food is really important. Like He, He, this is where God comes and meets humanity. It, it's through the experience of of, of food and eating and nourishment. And so I think that's why the state of receiving conversation is really important.
0: Oh, I love that. Exactly. Well, let's talk about, um, when we're not in the state of receiving, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. what, how this kind of throws us off as we move downstream. I mean, I think a lot of people are just have no idea that this could be a root cause of, um, all of their digestive issues or, you know, the beginning of it, what's really creating the problem. So let's kind of just talk through, through that, um, and, and the way that the body receives and uses as we kind of move, move down the line of digestion. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I, I do kind of want to walk through the stages of digestion, um, because I think it's it's helpful. I wish I had a visual for everyone, right? <laughs> like I wish I had a handout. To well, everybody can go to your
0: website and see all <laughs> the visuals.
1: <laughs> I'm a very visual person, but I'm gonna try to do this, um, you know, via the audio and and kind of walk through this north to south because it's like a, a domino effect, right? Like, or or think of it like a a system in a factory, right? Like if one step you know, upstream is off, then everything else downstream doesn't work, right? Because there's a glitch somewhere <laughs> in the beginning of the process. And so, you know, optimizing digestion is like smoothing out a rug. Like you ha- you have to go in order um, and and really um, optimize, you know, from-, from top to bottom. And so after the brain um, comes the mouth, right? When we're chewing food. And there's mechanical digestion from, from chewing enough, but there's also different enzymes that are active in the mouth, um, particularly the, the ones that break down um, carbohydrates and simple sugars, and then a few that actually start to break down fats. Um, and so this is where I encourage people to make sure you're chewing your food completely. <laughs> and I, I need to take my own advice here because I think it's easy to just eat quickly and, and you know just keep putting food in, but really food should be chewed Um, you know, at least 20 times till it till it's like a liquid or like an applesauce consistency before you swallow it.
0: I know it sounds tedious to people. But I mean, just remember that you're already breaking down carbs and fats starting in your mouth. And so if you're, if you are speeding through that process, that's gonna, that's gonna be a problem with how your body utilizes carbs and fats. So I think that um, helps us you know, kind of prioritize that more.
1: Yes, yes. And um, ultimately, what happens if you don't break down the food, right? <laughs> People are like, well, what's the big deal? So what happens is if food isn't, you know, if, if the different macronutrient molecules are not properly broken down and absorbed into the system, they're going to continue on. And they're going to feed the the trillions of microbes that live Um, some in your small intestine, but mostly in your large intestine. And then when those um, bacteria and yeast eat the food, um, it's a process of fermentation. And so the byproduct is different gases. And so this is where people experience a lot of bloating or or gas or just general, you know, digestive discomfort, right, where they feel just really like big and and, and tight um, in their um, abdomen. And that's from like improperly digested food that now the microbes are fermenting. And so if you've ever experienced that, if you, if you, or if you experience bloating a lot, um, after eating check, like the first stage of digestion, number one, are you eating in a, in a state of receiving? And then number two, are you chewing your food properly? I mean, that, that can make a huge difference.
0: Huge. Yes. Yes. Um. Okay, and so from there we kind of move into the stomach that yeah. does not have teeth like your mouth, but has right. a lot of acid. Let's talk about that right. and why that's a good thing. Yes. Yeah. So your body needs adequate
1: acid in in this stage. Um, it, it does several things. So number one, it kind of disinfects. So if you know there's any um, bacteria on the food that you're eating, um, it it, it kind of acts like a Um, like a disinfectant step before it proceeds to digest, you know, the rest of digestion. It also denatures proteins. So if you think of like when you fry an egg, you can't unfry an egg. And so that it's, it's a similar chemical process that's happening in your stomach where it, it actually, you know, changes the chemical structure of proteins so that they can be broken down. Um, And then the third thing that it really does is in the next step of digestion, that high acidity acts as a trigger for the release of certain um, digestive juices and enzymes. And so if you don't have enough stomach acid, again, that's that's something that can go that can kind of go wrong, right? Where it's not actually triggering the next, the next step. So um, again, it goes back to the state of receiving, right? For your body to start producing this acid, it needs to recognize that it's being fed. And so something that you can do to actually stimulate this process is you can put a little le- lemon juice or apple cider vinegar in your water, or, or even take like a, a little, um, squeeze of lemon in your mouth. Um, some people also take digestive bitters, um, which is just like a bitter taste. Again, when, when your body tastes that in your mouth, it triggers acid production. And so, um, that's something really simple. You can do about 10 or 15 minutes before you eat to promote healthy acid production. Um, the, the other thing that I want to note while we're here in the stomach, um, a lot of people are like, well, I have acid reflux, so I have too much acid, um, and and they'll take different medications to suppress that acid. Um, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm not telling you to go off your medications, but um, I think we need to actually look at the root cause of this. So what's typically happening in acid reflux or heartburn is that the the little flap um the sphincter that is between um, your esophagus and your stomach, that becomes weakened. And so it it allows some of the acid and and the contents of your stomach to go back into your esophagus to kind of backflow. And then that acid causes burning of the tissue. And so the most common things that actually cause this sphincter to be weak um, are stress, number one. And then number two is actually a hidden gluten intolerance. Um, and so if you experience this, um, something to experiment with after you've optimized your state of receiving, um, is to maybe experiment with, um, removing gluten, um, for a week or two and seeing if that helps, um, the, that, the acid reflux symptom.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. I think, a, yeah, a lot of people, um, are prescribed or go on these acid blockers which by the way are meant to be um used only temporarily and people will mm-hmm. be on them for years and years um so you're not only inhibiting your body's ability to break down food so you it can get nutrients um but like you said, it's disinfecting the stomach and, and disinfecting kind of almost like our first line of immune defense, killing pathogens before they can get deeper in there. And so you're also um, inhibiting the your immune system. And I think that's so interesting. I always think of the stomach acid like a bug zapper, like when the pathogens mm. come in, it's like, Vin! you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of that that first line of defense. And um and frying them up and not letting them get any further in your body. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on in the stomach and we like the stomach acid. So we need, we need a proper amount of that. And sometimes the body, again, the engine just gets off in the way that it's um, utilizing or not producing enough for everything to work properly. So I'm glad that you, glad you brought that up.
1: Yep. Yep. And we need um, certain B vitamins for it too. So another, another reason to, um, yeah, make sure that you're nourishing your body with lots of um, different foods to actually provide the nutrients for digestion to work in the first place. Um, So yeah, I think this is also something where if you um, are experiencing, you know, it's a trendier thing right now, but it's called SIBO or small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. It's where bacteria from your large intestine start to migrate upwards into your small intestine where they're not really supposed to be. And so while your body's still trying to absorb the nutrients from the food you ate now the bacteria are really competing um for those nutrients and so this can cause um bloating right after eating and it's and it's um and it's typically more acute it's higher up in the system and um yeah so so if someone is experiencing that or even experiencing like a different overgrowth um of pathogenic bacteria or even even good you know bacteria that we consider to be good or beneficial, um, they can even overgrow, right? It's like a garden. Like you, you, you want lots of different plants growing. You don't, you definitely don't want weeds, but you also don't want like, you know, like all daisies. Like you, you want like lots of um, variety and that's actually what characterizes a healthy gut. So if you, if you find that in, in your gut, then you actually want to go back up, go back up to the, to the stomach. And if you have low stomach acid, that can actually be a root cause of why you have dysbiosis um, further down.
0: Yeah. It's a real common, um, real common reason. Um, yep. okay, let's kind of move move on down because the next phase of digestion is where really where we do a lot of receiving in the small intestine. It's where most of our nutrients are absorbed once they've been, hopefully, well broken down by the stomach. So kind of talk us through what's going on there.
1: Yeah. So the small intestine is the primary site of nutrient absorption. So this is where your body Um, absorbs all those nutrients that it was working to break down earlier in the process. And so there's actually a lot of things going on here because um, your pancreas is going to be releasing um, uh, several different compounds to kind of neutralize the acid, um, but also digestive enzymes to to do the final step of chemical breakdown. Um, Again, all triggered by the acidity from the stomach. And so um, and then, and then your your liver is producing something called bile, and which is stored in your gallbladder and then released in the presence of fat. So this kind of acts like um, you can think of like soap. You know, when you have a really oily pan and you need soap to kind of break through that grime and kind of break it up so you can wash it off. That's similar to what bile does. It, it kind of breaks up the fat um, into like smaller, um, you know, little globules, so so your body can absorb it, um, and. Again, there's there's some things that can go wrong here. I already touched on um, SIBO when you have too much bacteria overgrowth. Another thing that um, can occur here is something called leaky gut, or you know, scientifically, the technical term is intestinal hyperpermeability. And basically, what's happening is, so your your gut lining, you can think of it like a fence, right, or or a rule of soldiers, right, and it's it's meant to control what gets in. And, and what doesn't? And so technically food is outside your body until this point. Even when it's in the stomach, it's still technically outside of your body. And at this point, the body has to decide whether s- certain nutrients and compounds make it into the bloodstream or whether it needs to continue down to be excreted. And so there's a lot of immune cells right here, and, and there's, a, there's a lot going on, <laughs> to say the least. And what happens in leaky gut is it's like a few fence panels are missing or, or the gaps get a little bit bigger or a few soldiers are knocked out. And so the, the barrier of defense, like the, the physical barrier of defense is actually impaired. And so larger particles of food, different pathogens um, or different toxins and compounds make it into the bloodstream where they, they normally would be filtered out. And this, this mounts a huge immune response. And so the immune system is like, this is an invader, we need to attack it. And so if that's a food particle, um, then that results in what we experience as like a food allergy. So um, if someone has a laundry list of food allergies, right, where they react to, you know, gluten and corn and eggs and dairy and nuts and all these different things, um, it's likely because their, their gut permeability um, is increased and these foods are getting into the body and, and causing an inflammatory response that, that's not proper. Um, and so really promoting gut integrity and, and promoting um, really a healthy gut lining is really important for um, optimizing, again, how our bodies were created to receive and, and how they were created um, to kind of filter um, what gets in and what, what doesn't.
0: Yes, our gut lining is being discerning for us yes (laughs) yes it should be being being able to be discerning but sometimes it's it's not able to so what um tell us some things that can interfere with that gut lining discernment Mm. what would make our gut leaky what what leads to that
1: yeah a big one is stress right so going back to if you're eating in the state of stress um that that's going to impact um you you know the the integrity of your gut lining toxins are a certain type of stressor and so eating a lot of processed foods um you know that have a lot of different chemicals um that's really going to impact um the integrity of of this barrier um even different food components can sometimes irritate it for some people it's gluten um or or eggs and and again, I don't believe in good or bad foods. Um, but if you are having digestive issues or if you're having autoimmune issues, so, so autoimmune issues always start as leaky gut. And, and so what happens is food is, is getting in, (laughs) into the bloodstream or different compounds are getting into the bloodstream and the immune system is, is trying to react. It's, it's trying to do its job. Um, but things kind of start to go haywire. Like they start to get a little bit out of control, right? Like too much is getting through. And so then that typically results in an autoimmune reaction where um, the, the immune system starts to dysregulate itself. Again, using the analogy of an army, right? Like um, basically the commanders of the army Um, they're disbanded, like they they lose communication. And so an autoimmune disorder is when this communication is kind of dysregulated. And so actually, a big part of managing autoimmune issues, whether that's, you know, with your thyroid or in your joints with rheumatoid arthritis, is actually healing your gut and and working on really, really focusing on improving digestion and in healing this gut barrier. um, Because that's, that's typically a root cause. Um, of of symptoms. So some things that can promote a healthy gut barrier um, from from a food perspective. So like bone broth and collagen are really good, right? So that's collagen is the protein that makes up um, this type of tissue in our body, right? So it makes like our skin and and joints and and our and our gut lining. Um, not everybody can tolerate it because of histamine, but if you can, that's a really nourishing food. Like like really good homemade bone broth. Um, Aloe vera juice is also really soothing. So if you get a sunburn, people typically will put aloe vera gel on their skin. But again, it's the same type of tissue in your gut, and so it's really soothing um, for the gut. And 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 different types of fats um, in anti-inflammatory herbs like turmeric and ginger are really really soothing for your gut
0: lining if it's inflamed. That's those are great. Um great foods to include. You know, I've, a lot of people will um remove foods, like you know, like maybe gluten or corn or soy or or what have you um and I've had people that want have wanted to do um food sensitivity testing. You know, but then they don't want to do anything with the gut. And that doesn't taking out the foods doesn't really mm. do you know, do much in the long term. It, it will lift the Um, inflammatory response. And that is important. So the gut can heal, but then you really, you have to be, again, you have to act to activate um, that healing process, right? Um, And by taking out the foods, but then also working to nourish the gut and the gut lining so that it can become discerning again. Right. Because other...
1: (laughs) Otherwise, that food sensitivity test can be helpful, but it's really just a snapshot of, of that moment in time, what your immune system is reacting to. And so, yeah, if you remove those foods, I mean, this is what happened to me, right? So when I, I, I did an initial food allergy panel when I was initially going through, through some health issues in, in high school, and one of, my, one of the foods that I reacted to was almonds, right? So, so I, I pulled almonds from my diet, but then I started to eat a ton of cashews, and then before I knew it, I started to react to cashews because I <laughs> hadn't healed my gut. And so if you simply remove those foods and, and don't address the root issue, which is um, the, the intestinal hyperpermeability, then you're just going to just keep adding foods to the list that, that you react to. So you really have to put the brakes and, and, and promote healing in the gut right where, yeah, right where you receive. Um, the exactly. last thing I want to say about the, the small intestine... Um, which I just find really interesting I, and not everybody knows about, but there's there's something in your small intestine called the migrating motor complex. And again, going back to when I was in high school, I, I read something that if you eat a bunch of small meals, that increases your metabolism, right? And I was like, oh, that's good. And so I would never eat a real meal. I would just kind of graze throughout the day. And what that was doing, I, I didn't know it, but it was really Kind of disrupting my body's normal rhythm of digestion, right? And so, every like um, about like sixty to ninety minutes, your body has a process um, called the MMC or the Migrating Motor Complex, and you can think of it kind of like the janitor that sweeps at night, right? It it just kind of cleans out what's in the system, and it it squeezes your digestive tract like a, a tube of toothpaste. And so, if you are constantly eating food or snacking, this this process is halted, right? Like it, it can't, it can't do its cleansing action, and so um, eating in a, excuse me, eating in a state of receiving for, you know, three or four set meals. Um, I mean, listen to your body. If you're hungry, you know, eat. But to, to establish a pattern of eating throughout the day can be really helpful for regulating this MMC. And that that's actually usually um, a contributing factor to the SIBO I was talking about earlier that that causes a lot of bloating and stomach issues for people um, because they're just snacking all the time and the, and the gut can't cleanse itself. And so then the bacteria starts to, to overgrow and feed on like the leftover food particles.
0: Mm, Yes, that's good. And, you know, I think I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people, I mean, there was that whole stage and some people still, you know, think it to be true. They have to eat every few hours to keep the metabolism stimulated. Well, um, well, I try to tell people, you know, one thing that really helps stimulate your metabolism is to be fasting, you know, have have that nice chunk between meals, not just even the overnight fast, but that just enough time in between meals to let your body process digestion, to let all this action happen, um, and to bring your body into that place where it's ready to receive food again. And so, um, yes, right. I'm glad you shared that. Um, okay. So then how about as we move into, the large intestine, um, and which is really kind of the, the hot seat of our microbiome, right?
1: Yes. Yes. This is perhaps my favorite, <laughs> favorite stage of digestion. If, if you have a favorite stage of digestion, I do, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nerd, but, um, yeah, this is where you have <laughs> most of, most of, um, your microbiome, right? And so this is, it's actually, several pounds of bacteria and microorganisms that live um, symbiotically in your gut. And so uh, we provide a home for them and they do a lot of really important things for, for our health. So they um, are going to help synthesize different nutrients, right? You're you're actually getting um, like vitamin K and certain B vitamins are actually synthesized by your gut bacteria. They're not necessarily from food. Um, They have a huge role in the immune um, system that, that's in your gut. As I was talking about earlier, they, they talk to like the commanders and the soldiers of the immune army um, to regulate what's going on. Um, they produce different enzymes and, and they do different fermentation processes to um, create like short chain fatty acids, right? Which are compounds that fuel the gut and, and actually promote gut healing. And so, so they're, they're really beneficial... Um, little critters down there. <laughs> and, and I like to think of them like a garden. Like I said earlier, we want to have lots of variety and diversity of, of different species. We don't want to have like an overgrowth of weeds. Um, and we don't want to have like an overgrowth of even the beneficial bacteria. And so there's a lot of different things um, that we can do to promote uh, microbiome health. And, and then in turn, impact our whole body health. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of research coming out about the gut brain connection, right? That um, mood disorders and anxiety and depression and, and just mental focus is primary. I mean, so much of it is, is actually controlled by your gut microbes. It's, it's, it's fascinating stuff. Um, and so, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about, about the gut
0: yeah just lay it on us anything that that fascinates you that you think and well th- i mean the important things but also maybe some things that we're not aware of i mean i love that gut brain connection i i haven't talked about that a whole bunch and and we need to i have you know told people you know if you if you have anxiety or depression or um you, you know mood disorders um anything mm-hmm. you really do have to look at the health of your gut the state of your gut so share right. some more about all of that with us
1: yeah okay so what I'm going to kind of do is I'm going to go through maybe some of the the common um, symptoms or comp- health complaints that people have um, and I and I want to show how it's connected to the gut so I've kind of already done that um, with the brain right and the and the gut brain connection and how that impacts our mood um, skin health <laughs> is typically a reflection of your gut right so um, different you know Rashes or or acne um, or things like that um, is is often you know an indication that there's there's something going on in your gut. Um, different hormonal imbalances um, can all be traced back to your gut. So, for example, um, there's certain species in your gut that produce an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase, which you don't need to <laughs> you don't need to know. But basically, you need to know that it recycles. Um, certain hormones, especially estrogen back into the system. And so for people who have you know estrogen dominance or different hormonal imbalances, um, it can actually be an issue with, with your gut. Um, another thing that is connected to your gut is just like your overall energy, right? And so like I was saying, certain nutrients are impacted by the species that, that are growing there. they, they produce certain enzymes. Um and on the other side of the coin, certain species can produce different endotoxins um, from their fermentation process. And when those toxins get into the system, um that can kind of cause like lethargy and, and people can kind of feel sluggish. And so sometimes when people if they get kind of this fogginess after eating, that can be an indication that there is imbalance in their gut. Um, different yeast infections <laughs> are related. Even cardiovascular health is connected to the gut. I talked about um, short-chain fatty acids briefly. And so um, butyrate um, is, is one that's been extensively studied that is shown to balance cholesterol levels, lower inflammation in the body. Um, it, it, it's, it's just fascinating. The more you get into um, how all these things are really connected, um, we, we really have a whole ecosystem in our gut. So, um, yeah, people, I, I think there's a lot more buzz about the gut microbiome. It's, it's again, it's, it's an exciting new trendy topic that there's a lot of really interesting research, um, about. And so I think following that, um, you know, that excitement comes a lot of different marketing pushes. And so there's a lot of foods. Oh, I saw, what was it the other day? Oh, it was, it was dried food. Dried figs in a grocery store, and right across the top, it was it was it was labeled. It's got probiotics, and I was like, (laughs) I mean, there's bacteria on everything, but it it was just so clearly like a a marketing thing because we don't typically think of figs being like a probiotic food. Um, Probiotic foods are typically fermented, right? So like yogurt, kefir, sauerkraut, kimchi, um, kombucha, things like that that actually have you know the the added um, cultures in them. So anyways, there's a, there's a lot of marketing stuff out there. And so I, I want to kind of now do a little bit of myth busting maybe of like things that you see and you're like, is this important? Should I pay attention to this? Um, so one thing that people will say, they'll say, you know, eat all this pro- this, this probiotic yogurt or, or this, you know, probiotic dairy. This is great. Drink all this kombucha to get probiotics in your system. Um, and then there's other people out there that will say, well, your stomach acid kills all that, right? <laughs> we talked about that. Like, in theory, shouldn't shouldn't the stomach acid disinfect all those good bacteria? Um, and so what's going on here? Um, so the way that, again, the way that God created it to work is that dairy actually acts like a vehicle to get um, certain microbes into the system. And so actually eating fermented dairy products... Um, is a way to get those live microorganisms um, into your gut and, and to promote gut health. The other thing about fermented foods is that actually a lot of a lot of the reactions, you know, a lot of a lot of the fermentation process has already happened. And so even if you're not getting all of the live organisms delivered into your gut, you're gonna get a lot of the metabolites um, and you're gonna get the the benefit of um, increased nutrient bioavailability in the food, that's going to be delivered into your system um, from the fermented food. And then the, the third thing is that actually certain microbes can have a beneficial effect on the system even if they're not alive, which is just fascinating, right? So there's actually different um, uh, like compounds and molecules on the, the membrane. Of these different organisms so even if they're not alive like they can still have a benefit for the gut so all this to say um, probiotic foods are good um, eat them in moderation if you can tolerate them um, and, and if, if possible choose ones that um, yeah are, are are accompanied by high quality dairy um, or, or vegetables um, They're they're gonna be great for your gut.
0: Yes. What so what are your thoughts on pro taking a probiotic um supplement and what about the role of prebiotics? What do you think about that? Oh yes. Okay.
1: Two more of my favorite topics. So again, probiotics have become like a huge marketing thing. Everything is probiotic from probiotic body wash to probiotic, like, you know, cereal, like all these things. Um, there is a lot of clinical research showing benefits from certain probiotics. That is true. However, a lot of this research is done on specific strains. And so, you know, a good quality probiotic when it actually has the strain indicated. And so, for example, you'll see like um, lactobacillus acidophilus, and then it should have like numbers or letters behind it. And 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 only when it has those numbers or letters is it actually indicating a strain. Just *Lactobacillus acidophilus* is just a species. It's it, that's not telling. That's just like saying dogs without saying <laughs> um, like a Chihuahua versus a Great Dane. Right? Like like those are very different dogs. They're technically the same species, but they're they're going to be good for different things. And so that's an indication of a good probiotic. Um, and so you know, good good supplement companies and probiotic brands. Will will indicate that strain, and then they'll they'll typically indicate on the label like what that strain has been researched to benefit, right? So it'll you know say like this this these strains have been researched to promote mood or to promote um, you know vaginal health or 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 whatever it is. Um, however, there's a lot of them out there that. They just are throwing bacteria in their product just so they can use the label probiotic. Um, and so that's something that you kind of want to look for. Um, the other thing that, you know, is there's, there's some buzz about um, is something called soil-based organisms um, or SBOs. And so this is a specific um, genus of bacteria. So anything that's ever bacillus is, is typically an SBO. And they're also called, like, spore-based probiotics. Um, and these these types of probiotics are shelf-stable. And so it's really easy for manufacturers to add them to their products and say, probiotics. Um, again, some of them, certain strains, have been researched to actually heal leaky gut. Like, the, there's actually research showing that taking SBOs is, is protective for, for the gut um, epithelium but other ones don't have research. (laughs) And so um, to just lump all of them together is not super helpful. Um, A lot of people will talk about how they are meant to survive the stomach acid, right? Because they actually form like a spore, um, which is true. um, But then they also tend to overgrow really easily in the gut. And so um, that's just something to be aware of. If you're, if you're looking at SBOs, um, if you're constipated, you don't want to take them. Um, but if you have a lot of, you know, like IBS that, that tends towards like diarrhea, it it might actually, um, be a really helpful, um, probiotic to, to try. If you, if you're working with a health coach or a health practitioner that knows about probiotics, they, they can kind of help you, um, choose, but yeah, yeah, that's, There's, there's a lot out there about probiotics. I, I, I do love it. Um, and, and, and quality really, really does matter when you're picking a probiotic.
0: What about prebiotics? Do you, well, just tell me what your thoughts are on those.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So a prebiotic, um, is, is a a fiber or carbohydrate that your body can't digest. Um, but the bacteria can, and, and they can ferment, and, and prebiotics, again, um, God was so intentional when he created them because they feed the good bacteria and they don't feed the bad bacteria. so essentially starve out, and, and the good bacteria crowd out the bad bacteria, um, which is just fascinating <laughs> that, that there's that selectivity um, with these carbohydrates. But they are added to a lot of different supplements, or you know, particularly probiotic supplements because they feed and encourage the growth of of the microbes. Um, and and then and there's a lot of whole food versions, right? So um, foods that have prebiotic like fibers are like green bananas and plantains, um, mushrooms, artichokes, um, different, so like cool, like cooked and cooled rice and potatoes, um, they actually form what's called resistant starch and that can act like a prebiotic um, and then just a variety of fruits and vegetables, right? So, so every fruit and vegetable and, and, and plant food has a different combination um, of, of, of fibers and, and, and nutrients and um, polyphenols. And so that having a variety makes sure that you're, you're feeding your microbiome with um, a variety of different um, prebiotic-like fibers. So they've done research where people who eat over 30 different types of plant foods every week, which might seem like a lot, but if you actually start counting, it, it's not hard to get to that that 30 number um, by just eating variety. Compared to people who eat less than 10, um, they had totally different microbial profiles. And so um, there's actually a lot that you, you can do by just improving your diet um, and eating variety and eating color um, to promote microbial balance. So um yeah, I would I would argue that taking a prebiotic is going to have more impact on your microbiome than taking a probiotic. And you know, there might be some cases where that that's not exactly true. But a probiotic is not actually going to colonize. So this is another myth about probiotics that if you take them, then they'll land there and then they'll grow. <laughs> and that's not really what happens. So your your microbiome is formed like as a baby, like it's even influenced by like your, your birth method and, and what you, you know, whether you are breastfed or not. And, and then throughout life, different factors influence the, the, the pattern of growth. Um, but taking a probiotic doesn't mean you can just seed your, seed your gut with good bacteria. They're, they're going to pass through and have beneficial effects. They're going to maybe talk with the native species in your gut um, but they're not going to colonize. So um, a prebiotic will have more of a, a of an impact um, on like truly shifting your microbiome in a beneficial
0: direction. Well, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that before. Well, yeah, that yeah. Some s-
1: someone might disagree with me, and we could have a lively debate about this. But I, I think from a <laughs> from a um, kind of a large scale perspective, if you stand, stand back and, um, look at it broadly, um, you know, probiotics might have more specific therapeutic benefits for different conditions, but from an overall perspective, um, prebiotics are probably going to make more of a difference in, in your, in your gut health.
0: So if you were going to supplement a prebiotic probiotic, I mean, how would you, Let's just say for therapeutic reasons. I mean, we you mm. know we can get our probiotics and our prebiotics from food, right? And that is always yep. the food first is always the best way. But if we're kind of going in for a therapeutic approach, um, what how would you structure that with the prebiotic and the probiotic? How would yeah, you use that's, those.
1: Yeah, that's actually kind of a tricky question because it's it's very bio individual. Every person is well, going to be true. very different. Um, I do. I do really like um, it's Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Um, it's the variation Boulardi. So <laughs> if you're not a science person, you're going to be like, well, "What, what?" <laughs> um, but it's 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 commonly called like S. Boulardi, um, and it's a it's a type of um, yeast actually that has a lot of research um, for its benefits for immune health and for for gut balance. Um, that one I really like that one. So if you if you want to um, supplement a probiotic again, very by individual. Um, but that one has some good research behind it and, um, lot you know, lots of different benefits. So that could be one to look at, um, or, or to ask your, your practitioner about, um, as far as supplementing prebiotics. Yeah. There are a lot of different prebiotic supplements out there. Um, so they're is the, the technical name. Um, it, so goss is one the OS um, stands for the oligosaccharides. so it's like galacto oligiosaccharides um, there's there's a, a FOS fructo oligiosaccharides um there's like a Xos I don't know how you say that exhaust I don't know how to pronounce an X but um, yeah those or uh, inulin is is sometimes how it's going to be listed on the label um those also have a lot of benefits so if you um, want to really have more of a therapeutic, um, approach to, um, you know, modifying your gut microbiome, even beyond what you can do with whole foods. Um, those, those are supplements that you can look for. Um, they, they commonly come as like a powder. Um, and, and that's how I would encourage doing it sometimes.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. I would, I would see if you could find it as a powder. Do you think that would be helpful for somebody that might not be tolerating, um, maybe some of the, um, some vegetables, fruits and vegetables well, like while you're in the state of healing your gut and they're just, you know, mm. the sometimes, um, like a FODMAP situation, you know, I mean, could, could somebody tolerate the prebiotic better than they could the food?
1: That's a great question. So, if, if you're not familiar, FODMAPs are fermental, fermentable, fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. <laughs> so, it's a really long way of saying there's certain fibers that your your body is not digesting as it should, and so then the bacteria are having a heyday and they're fermenting it, and you get a ton of bloating. And so, people will go on a low FODMAP diet um, to kind of manage these symptoms. But because prebiotics, right, like I said, are like the oligosaccharides. prebiotics are FODMAPs. Like they, they will cause right. um, those types of symptoms as well. And so, I mean, I would, I would recommend to anyone taking a prebiotic supplement that you really want to start low and slow. And you might experience bloating at first. Um, if if you have a lot of bloating back off and and start even lower and then work your way up your gut will eventually adjust right so and and this is what i would this is what i would say about fodmaps too right so if you're reacting to fodmaps that that would be a clue that you need to take a step back and look at all of your digestion right go back upstream you know check the brain check the mouth check the stomach check the small intestine check all of those stages to see what's going wrong upstream and why why those carbohydrates are making it you know far enough downstream to where they're being fermented. Um, And again, sometimes it's a it's an issue that takes healing and so removing those foods can provide relief during the healing process. Um, That's why it's a therapeutic diet. But long term you're not addressing the root cause by just eliminating those foods forever. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think, think, think of a prebiotic like a FODMAP, um, in, in that way.
0: Okay, good. Just, just so people are aware, um, of that. And yes, I mean, with the bloating and such, you know, people might take that and be like, wait. this this is making me feel worse. Yes. Which, which can happen
1: with certain nutrients, right? Because again, if you're thinking of the microbiome, like a garden, right. And you, you maybe have an overgrowth of something, you maybe have, you know, a few weeds in there. And if the prebiotic, I mean, it's not really helpful to think of it like a fertilizer because, um, but but in, like but in some ways, <laughs> I was gonna say I'm not I'm not promoting fertilizer here. But maybe maybe like a compost, right? Like like a compost that will that's selectively feeding the good plants, but it's killing the weeds, right? Like the the, the weeds can't use the compost basically. And so what's happening when you're taking that prebiotic is everything is being disrupted, right? Like the weeds are dying off. There's certain bacteria that are like oh, we have food all of a sudden, like there, there, it, 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 this huge shift is happening. Right. And, and so that's where like the bloating and the distension can come from. And so you want it to be slowly over time, um, kind of gradually work up, um, to, to a more therapeutic amount is, which is typically a few grams. Um, and yeah,
0: yeah. That's great. Um, gosh, we've been almost going an hour already. And so we'll start winding down. But before I ask you the anchor questions, is there anything else that you, that we didn't touch on, um, that you wanted to, I think we, we did a good job of kind of making our way from brain to bowel. Um, and, but is there anything else that you wanted to mention? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I guess just to kind of tie it back to what we started our conversation with is just the state of receiving um, you know, we focused on the physical aspect today, but then how that mirrors our like mental and spiritual disposition of um, again, we it's it's an active position um, and to like allow the Lord to truly be the source of of nourishment um, and and that requires us to like put ourselves in a state where we can receive right. So if that's you know, 15, 20 minutes of silence a day, um, just so we can hear him, um, and, and receive his healing. Um, and, and it's a cooperative thing, right? Like we, we, um, just just as digestion, (laughs) you know, requires us to think about certain things. Um, whatever we are receiving from the Lord, um, typically requires us to to respond and to act and to push back and to and to to have a conversation with him and so i just wanted to kind of draw that that parallel
0: um to kind of round out our conversation i love that it take, it reminds me and kind of takes me back also to the the bleeding woman you know who had to act to activate her blessing who had to reach out to her healer for her healing and i think we can kind of think of that as we're sitting down to our meal and coming into that state of receiving and reaching out to our healer for healing, and just asking for that blessing of the food to make its way well through the body, so that we can take nourishment from it and and get our healing, and just and you know be the vibrant being that um, God made us to be. I love that. That's a beautiful way to to wind this down and wrap it up but before I let you go I have to ask you these anchor questions and the first one is what is your anchor meal which is like your go-to healthy meal that you eat mm. pretty often <laughs> Yeah I love to make um
1: just a, like a skillet so I'll use like ground beef um and like cubed sweet potatoes and then like a handful of kale or spinach and then Um, sometimes I'll spice it up with like some curry powder or different herbs. Um, and then you, yeah, usually top it with an avocado that, that makes me pretty happy (laughs) when that's what I'm
0: having. I love it. I eat a lot of ground beef and it's so versatile to do something like that. Um, that's a very beautifully well-rounded meal. I love that. Um, okay. How about an anchor verse, which is your favorite Bible verse or one that's just really speaking to you presently?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think the last few months like really a theme of my prayer has been um like the goodness of of creation and just like the goodness of my body. Um so I love the verse in um Genesis 1 where God has finished creation and he stops and he looks at it and it says like and he found it very good. Um and I think that but again, just ties back to everything that we talked about today. Like he created all these processes. He created um, the synergies of of food and microbes and our bodies. And he created us to live in harmony with nature. Um, and he finds it very good. And so um, I think, again, intentionality in in how we are choosing to nourish our bodies and take care of our bodies like, is a really big part of that. But I think even just to like stop and just like let him speak that like to the depths of your soul, right? Like that your being is very good. Um Yeah, that's that's been that's been rocking my world recently. <laughs> oh
0: I love that. It is good. It's just um that's a beautiful, beautiful way to look at it. Um that's awesome. Thank you, Ellen, so much for being here um and sharing this with us today. You know, I haven't I don't think I've really done it going from the whole North to South process because I feel like a lot of people are just like, okay, whatever, but it's so important. And so I love that we could put it in this, um, frame of the state of receiving, um, and just being a part of that, receiving our good health from the Lord. So I appreciate that so much. And where, where can people find you if they would like to connect with you or find out more about, um, what you offer?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm probably, I'm on all the social medias as (laughs) I kind of begrudgingly am, but I'm probably most active on Instagram. Um, And so you can find me at Made Whole Nutrition. Um, And then I also have a website. So if you're a curious person that just wants to um, browse the different health topics, or if you are a nutrition professional, and you want template resources for um, educating clients and and the people you work with, um, you can find all of that at MadeWholeNutrition.com.
0: Oh, that's perfect. All right. That's great. Y'all check out Ellen. Um, Yes, begrudging on social media. I have been feeling (laughs) that. And so I just want to remind everybody that I'm going off social media for Lent um, but that I mm. will, I will be having, um, Steph on my team post all this podcast info. So, uh, for me, but it won't be me there. Um, but you can find me here. Um, you can find me in your inbox on Sundays if you're part of my Sunday email group and you can find me in our feast to fast group. Um, our first live zoom will be on Ash Wednesday. And so come let me see your beautiful face and let's put ourselves in this state of receiving all God's blessings during the season of Lent. Um, Thanks again, Ellen. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon.